Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Hello, welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we'll be discussing all things company culture and why it is the key to your company's success. Today, I'm joined by Robert Richman, previously the culture strategist at Zappos. He's the author of The Culture Blueprint, speaker and leader in the world of company culture. Robert Richman is one of the world's leading authorities on building a thriving corporate culture. As the co-creator of Zappos Insights, Robert is the sought-after consultant and keynote speaker at conferences with some of the world's biggest organizations. You can grab his book, The Culture Blueprint, a guide to building the high-performing workplace now. And actually, her Robert at an event, and he was absolutely phenomenal. That's why I was like, Robert, you need to come on our podcast and share this with the events and marketing community. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. All right. So Robert, how did you even get into this industry? I, I heard a little bit about your journey at Zappos, but how did it all start? Why do you love culture so much? Yeah, it really started back in the early 2000s. My friends and I started what was called the first co-working space in America. This was about the year 2000. Uh, my friends and I had a web development company and we found a space so big we couldn't afford. And we just said, how do we afford this? And said, let's just get all our friends to pay the rent with us. And that's how co-working kind of began in Washington, D.C. We started a place called the Affinity Lab. And I was a web developer at the time, but I found that I love talking to each individual friend about their business and helping them out with their business. So I went to Georgetown's coaching school to learn more about how to be a leadership coach. There I met Dave Logan, the author of Tribal Leadership, an amazing book on culture. We became great friends. I became the marketer of the book because I've had so many different careers. And in the process of marketing it, I got it to Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, who loved it. He invited us there for uh, a presentation. I came there for, for the presentation and the party, and it just blew me away, the culture. We went to a happy hour there, uh, the quarterly one for the merchandising department at four o'clock on a Wednesday, which immediately struck me because most companies do happy hours after work. But the Zappos philosophy was, we don't want to take you away from work. We want you to go home with your families. So I went to this happy hour, and it was better than most weddings I've ever been to. And it was karaoke and skits and food and drink, and it blew my mind. Um, and Tony told me his idea to take the culture at Zappos and turn it into a product. How can we make this into something that other corporations can learn about? And I just lit up on the idea and I sent him idea after idea how to do it until he finally said, do you wanna just come and do this with us? And I said, yes. And I, uh, I came into Zappos and originally the idea was to create video content and nobody was subscribing. We would create this video content, nobody would want it. And then finally just decided to throw an event because as you know, events are experiences. Experiences do way better than content. They're so direct, so engaging, so full body sensory experience. 
and people loved it. We invited some of the best fans of Zappos, taught them what we know, took them out to party, took them out to, to Tony's house. And But my job was still to create this website for it. And people said, I asked how the content was. And they said, it was so-so. And I was like, oh, no, my whole career is over. Um, but they said, hold on, hold on. The experience of being here blew our minds because we read so much about Zappos. We knew half the content already. But now that we've had the experience, we can take it home. And that's when the light bulb went off, turned the whole business model into an experience-based business model. That's when we really grew Zappos Insights into boot camps and meetings and tours. And that's when it blew up. And we created this whole business inside of Zappos of, of bringing them into the culture of what it's like to be at an amazing company. That's incredible. And, you know, a lot of people don't even know this, but at one point I did apply for a job at Zappos. This oh, yeah. Year. I have my own company and I was like, it looks so cool. It looks so fun. And I actually read the book Delivering Happiness as well. So just, mm -hmm. you know, drink the Kool-Aid, you call it. And I was like, yeah, is it? You know, <laughs> at one point they moved to Vegas and, you know, I'm a California girl. I was like, okay, that stops there. Then. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's awesome. Can you tell us more about your work in helping corporations creating a thriving company culture? Yeah. So what happened was after years of that, I, um, you know, I never thought of myself as a speaker and thought leader, but I was speaking all the time in front of the company and, and I would get called out to Google for consulting for them. And, and I, through those years, kept what ended up being hundreds of pages of notes. And I said, oh my gosh, I think I have a book here. So I wrote it all into book, The Culture Blueprint, and then started to go to companies and speak directly to them about culture. And so I would do these, these keynotes for them and they would, they would love it. And I'd, I'd get more and more of these keynotes and I still do them. I, I'm having a great time. In fact, I could tell you about one recently if we wanted some stories. But what's interesting about it was the, the, the keynotes kept working, but then they would call me in to do an evaluation of their culture. And I would stay there for a week. It would be exhausting. They would be exhausted. I would be exhausted. And I'd write these big, thick reports. And then they wouldn't do anything with it. I thought, oh, this is a terrible client. And then, no, I'd write another one, another long week. I had to do that four times until I realized I must be the problem. Because, I, again, it hit me that it's not the content. It's the experience. So I stopped doing that kind of consulting where I would just go in and do evaluations. And instead, I worked on creating a new experience using a model called open space developed by Harrison Owen for conferences, where now I do speeches as well as something called open space, where I get the whole crowd involved, the whole company or the whole conference, and they host each of their own sessions. We write a big report and they love it every time because it's experiential. Love it. Tie it back to experiential. You're right. Cause it's that full body sensory experience and yes. you get so much more buy-in when mm -hmm. it's like more in-person. Totally. Too. Totally. Why do you believe, you know, especially now, I think there's a lot of talk about culture because the pandemic has really changed the way people work, right? I mean, here at Innovate Marketing, we always thought culture is important and we love culture. But even for us, we're always thinking like, how do we step it up? Because when you build really strong culture, then you keep your people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do. So why for you that you believe company culture is so important, especially in today's world? Well, at the end of the day, it's the business we're all in. I think it's a funny idea is if you thought of an alien coming down to watch people do business, they would say, Amanda and Robert, you have the same job, don't you? And we'd say, no, we don't. We have different jobs. I'd say, why? They said, well, you're both on on those phone calls, you're both on the computer typing, you're both in these meetings, you're both at these events, because 
business, unless you're really out with a plow on the farm, is all communications. And communications is the currency of, of, of people. And once you understand that, all culture is really rooted in language. And so I believe that we're all in the culture business. That's part of why we never had a chief culture officer at Zappos, because unlike finance, which you need somebody on the numbers and to focus on that, but culture is everybody's responsibility. So I think it's the business we're all in. And I think it makes the difference between the amazing companies that, that change the world and those that that fall off to the wayside. Right. That's awesome. Communication is the culture of people. Did I get that correct? It's the, the currency. It's really it's the, the currency the, of the, people. The, well, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of a network effect. If you imagine a, a, a network and I think the currency really, it took, it took me 10 years to figure this out that, that the real value, uh, you know, the, the, like the monetary value, if you will, of culture is agreements. That's what we're really exchanging. I agree to give you a salary. You agree to do this job, right? I agree to get you these graphics for the project. You agree to give the customer this. So what's really holding the network together is agreements. And I found that the companies that make the agreements very explicit, and I've developed a whole model for that, um, are really doing well. The ones that make the agreements very, very clear and explicit and then hold them up. So for example, at Zappos, when you agree to hold up the core values, the agreement is so explicit that you literally hold up your hand and swear an oath that you'll uphold it and you sign a contract. So that way, if, if you ever got fired for, for violating the values, it's never like it was unclear. You knew from the beginning, it was an explicit agreement to uphold the values. Oh, I love that. And then the buy-in, the agreement, the hand gesture. Yeah, exactly. You raise your hand and sign something. It's like, wait, what did I just promise? Exactly, exactly. Who am I marrying? Very, very different now from, I'm sure you've done this as we have all, um, clicked a little checkbox that said, I've read the terms and agreements, right? Like, we don't do who read it. That's very inexplicit agreement where it's just, yeah, 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 I agree. <laughs> Yes. And then you kind of touch upon this in your book, for sure, like the culture blueprint. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, it's a whole guide to creating a high performance workplace, everything from how you create the values and discover them to how you implement them and everything from recruiting, interviewing, the whole onboarding process, how you manage, how you hold meetings, how you do progression. So it's really a step by step guide. And it's honestly, it surprised me that people like the book, not because I think it's a bad book, but because I thought of it more like a stereo manual, right? Like, okay, this isn't working. Let me just turn to this. I'll fix it. Great. I'll put the book down. Um, but it surprised me how many people read the whole thing and have loved it. And one of my favorite stories is a CEO just left it on his living room table and his 16 year old son read half of it in, in a sitting and was just fully engaged with it. So it's, uh, I, I thought of it more like a manual and just turned to the page you need to help, but it's, it's really a whole story about, about Zappos, about creating culture, about how to, infuse this ethos into any company and i think also is doing it intentionally but still like organically yeah you know that really works and also getting the buy-in from the upper management right there mm -hmm. has to be that belief from the top so it could trickle down and really live that culture and see totally. how, what it is that you want to create right and then, so what does 2022 look like for you and your company, Robert, in terms of like the culture space? 
Yeah, it's it's great. I just got back from speaking at Genentech. I've been speaking to a lot of biotech companies recently. I'm about to go to a, a, a VC firm and talking to all their investment companies about culture. Um, I'm developing the the Culture OS, an operating system. It's a whole course on how to, it, it basically takes everything in my book and goes a lot further based on everything I've learned with some protocols such as the agreement protocol that that I've created and uh, I'm looking to do more open spaces. It's so interesting. I did it for Sanford Healthcare this year, and I didn't find out till afterward that the executives were fighting about it before because they said, we can't just let anybody talk about whatever they want to talk about. We need to guide the whole discussion. And they were literally fighting about it. And then afterward, the people who were opposed to it said, my bad, this is really good. And they said, we can't do meetings with boring PowerPoints anymore. Now that we've given this experience, we have to create it. And um, it's, I, I, I love mentioning them and other clients for it because it takes some, some courage to trust your people to, and, and you know, what's funny about it to me is I think it doesn't even need trust because the conversations they're happening on the side anyway, but now that you make it official, you get to hear the conversations that you wouldn't otherwise get to hear. So I'm doing that virtually and in person now um, of, of whole divisions and whole companies crowdsourcing their strategy together. I'm sure some of them were scared that you're just going to change their whole company culture for them. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the quote from the matrix. I offer the truth and nothing more. Like all that's surfacing is their true thoughts and opinions. So do you want to see the truth or do you want to cover your eyes to it? And typically how long is this session? Typically it's about three and a half to four hours though. The, the day longs work really well. And what we did with, with Sanford healthcare was actually a day and a half because the first day is just getting all that stuff out there. And the second day was about prioritizing everything that came up and focusing all the actions. So ideally it's, it's, it's a day and a half, but as short as three and a half hours can be an amazing experience. Okay. Awesome. And then the speaking engagement where I heard you speak, that was about an hour. Yeah. It was, I would say it was definitely high impact because mm -hmm. what you left us with for the rest of the day was that, you know, people started referencing what you were saying. And mm. then I think some of us incorporated that into our action item mm. for the quarter into, you know, as an entrepreneur, what we needed to focus on as well. Right. So glad to hear that. Yeah. So in terms of your culture blueprint, I mean, what is your intent when you other than, you know, you kind of like talk about examples and stuff. So, and then also the agreement, is there another nugget you can share from the book? Oh, wow. Yeah. There's, there's so many. Um, I'd say the, uh, I, I think that, that, that one of the best techniques in there is, is, is focusing on culture hacking. And what I mean by hacking is if you think about a network, what a hacker does to get into it is find that where there's a vulnerability in the system. And one of the most vulnerable aspects of culture is the interview. Because in an interview, you could get somebody who's amazing and takes all this work off your plate and life is fantastic. Or you could get somebody in who, who performs something of, of gross negligence and could bring literally bring your company down. So that's why the interview is, uh, is a place to hack the process. So I love the hacks within that where you ask questions that determine if somebody, not if they can do the job, because you can oftentimes train, but would they love the job? Because if they love it, they're going to continue and want to be there and want to get better at it. So for example, at Zappos, it wasn't about having customer service experience. It's about, do you love to be of service? So it's a guide to creating questions to ascertain if somebody loves it. So for example, the question is, 
tell me about a time when you helped somebody out when you didn't have to. And people who love to be of service can think of one quickly. And if you don't, it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that you won't really even like it here if it's a place where, where that's a really high service. So I love these kind of, uh, of hacks, like hacking the interview process to figure out if somebody's a real culture fit because it can have such a huge impact. Yeah, right. The, the wrong fit would say, why help them? Am I, is there some incentive or <laughs> yeah. price for me? Right, right. <laughs> I think that's right. And it's true because even as part of our interview, because we are service, right? Mm-hmm, Doing, mm-hmm. Building these curating events, we do. I often, that's actually one of my questions. I wonder if I read, you know, <laughs> another book and that had that, because I do ask that question because yeah. it's true. You want it to come organically. Right. right. If someone couldn't find their way to the event, you want that person to say, hey, Robert, how can I help you? Versus like, just not ask at all. Right. I think it's very different and to some people. It's just very natural, very organic. Yeah. But other people is like, oh, no, like, I, <laughs> I don't need to do that. That's not my job. It's not my job description. Right. 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 Exactly. You want people that go above and beyond. I love yeah. this, this part. So you know, what is the one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? What would you tell younger Robert? Oh my gosh, so many things. Um, I would I would definitely tell him to, to keep very, very good details in something like a CRM of all details of the clients and follow-ups. And I've just, I've, I've gotten so much new business that comes in that I focused on that and haven't focused on enough of the follow-up. And I think that, that that's just a great practice to do, to stay in touch with a lot of people and keep those conversations going rather than just focusing on, on the new clients. Um, so that's something that I would, I would tell younger Robert for sure. That's a great tip for younger yeah. Robert. Mm-hmm. And how about in terms of, you know, you, you have experienced a lot of success in terms of your business. What is the one thing that you help you what is the one element or one decision that you made that helped propel your business tremendously? Ooh, I, I'd say it's, it's always taken the big leaps through mentorship. So when I find somebody who can mentor me, I really, um, I really take those opportunities. And I think that the, the balance uh, I, I, I struck, and I think it's why I had a great relationship with Tony, CEO of Zappos, is that what I noticed with Tony was that a lot of people would either um, kind of hero worship him, like, like, they're, like he's much better than he is, or they would make the opposite uh, side and think that they're totally on a peer level and friends with him. And, and I think the paradox is holding both of saying like, look, I can respect, I can have a conversation like a peer, but really acknowledge that you're further ahead and, and, and show deep, deep respect for that. And that's what I think the relationship is with a mentor is, is really being humble and asking a lot of good questions and, um, and learning that way, because I find that even more than any book, any course, anything like that is, is mentors are people who've, who've been down that road um, already before. And I, I love mentoring people as well. And I think that if, when you have that opportunity, I think they're there if, if, you, if you keep your eyes open to notice who's there, who's ahead of you, who can you, um, who can you ask to help? And, and if they say no, that, that you can ask again, right? Like, or, or, or be on the lookout for it. So it's always been great mentors that have helped me. That's amazing. I, I love the combination of mentor and mentee, because like you said, it's, 
it's so helpful to find that mentor that can help you, mm-hmm. but then also remember to pay it forward, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I especially love the part you say, it's okay if they say no, because mm-hmm. I definitely, when I first started my business, I reached out to a mentor and she said no, because I aim really high. <laughs> yeah. Like really high. And she said no. And I asked the next one and she said yes. Mm. Right? But after her first one, I was like, oh man, like she said no, like. Right. But you just got to keep trying. Sometimes the numbers game, totally. you got to be creative about it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about what, what would you say is the pinnacle of your career so far? <laughs> um, it was absolutely amazing to run a business within Zappos to have, I, it was what I call being an entrepreneur because I got to launch a business, but have the support of a big brand. What I've really loved doing is, is working with big brands. Ever since I was a kid, I was thinking about this today because uh, I was watching NASCAR. I was obsessed with NASCAR as, as a kid. And part of it that I love about it is the sponsorship aspect of these big companies. I've always loved big companies and big brands, especially being a tennis player as a kid, the, the, the kids who were sponsored, we always wanted to be them. Um, so it, 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 was, it, it blew me away that Tony and Zappos, they really gave me carte blanche to create this business to the point I, I honestly, I literally had a panic attack at one point because I was given so much responsibility. Um, so that was a high point and I'm honored now to work with some of the best companies in the world. And it's, it still blows me away that I, you know, I'll go on stage and you're trusting me with your thousands of best people in front of me, right? I could say anything right now. Obviously, I don't do anything silly or stupid. Actually, I do silly things. My last one, I did a one minute dance party, which was so fun for the whole group. So I do silly things, but not stupid things. Um, but that's that's what I've loved is, is these experiences where I get to work with an amazing big brand. Wonderful. Okay. To our team that's behind the scene, let's make sure next time we book Robert to mm-hmm. also book the bonus one minute dance party session. Yes. <laughs> Anything additional you would like to share with the audience? Any other advice? Ooh, um, I'd say, you know, the, the, this, this, this recent idea about agreements, just notice how clear and explicit the agreements are. I've, I've, if, if you, you know, you can even do this with me now. I mean, I do this exercise of, of you can do it in your head. So don't, don't feel like you have to share anything. But think about a time when you were really disappointed in, in one of your coworkers, one of your employees, and just bring up that situation in your head. You're not going to share it. And, and anybody listening, you can do this too. Um, and I bet it's, it's one of two things, uh, unless they lied. Let's just put away lying for a sec. Um, but if it's not lying, it's, it's one of these two things. I bet that, that they said they were going to do something that they didn't do, or you expected some sort of behavior that they didn't do. Right. So that's those are the two main disappointments. And what happened there is a breakdown in agreement. And the first is an explicit agreement. The second is the agreement wasn't made clear. So if you get clearer and clearer and more explicit on the agreements, that's the key to strong culture. And uh, it, it, it's one of those things. I have several others and, and, and maybe we'll do an engagement for your clients or another podcast, but that's just one of the really simple truths that I found after working in 10 years of culture it comes down to these simple ideas. And that is that why? So you do both the verbal and the written? Yeah, yeah. In fact, when I'm on stage, one of the examples I use for it is I say, you know, when I was when I went skydiving, there wasn't a click here to terms and agreements, right? It was so explicit that I stared into a camera 
and said, my name is Robert Richman. I'm about to go skydiving. I know I could die. That, that way nobody says, oh, they, they signed the contract and didn't read it. No, when you see that video, you know that I know what I'm getting into. That's what explicit agreement's all about. And that's how we have, uh, that's how we don't get disappointed when it just becomes really, really clear. Awesome. Okay. I love that. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, my great. pleasure. <laughs> what is the best way for the audience to get in touch with you, Robert? Yeah, robertrichman.com. I've got a lot of, uh, of my stuff up there and there's a contact form if anybody wants to reach out. Robert Richman, that's R-I-C-H-M-A-N.com. This, this has been truly fantastic. There's so many key takeaways and definitely recommend you guys to read his book, The Culture Blueprint, A Guide to Building the High-Performing Workspace. But some of my favorite key takeaway that stood out to me, and keep in mind this is the second time I heard Robert speak, is communication is the currency of people. That really stood out to me. And the interview is part of the hack. I remember that mm -hmm. as well from last time, because sometimes by the time they come in, it's a little too late right? Because you can't change people right. just the way they are. And yeah. but if at the interview, like you said, if they love something, then they, it's not work. But if it's not, then it's, it's difficult, yeah. right? And then also just, I mean, at the end of the day, culture is truly important. Or for those that you want to have a thriving company, I think that's why I love about this communication. It's the difference between having a company and having a thriving company. And a lot of these, there are statistics out there that shows that, you know, having a great culture actually hits the bottom line too, right? So if, for those of you that needs the financial incentive. Oh yeah, outperforms the, yeah. the, the S&P 500. The best places to work outperform the S&P 500. See, this is great. Thank you so much, Robert, for joining us today. And for those of you that have any question, definitely check out Robert. You could get his book, I think on Amazon also. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So check it out. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Amanda. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.